0: It's
1: me and the biz. Hey. do me and the biz. Back with you another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeye Podcast. Bizz, yeah, yeah. I'm from from and biz, talk Hawkeye football with you in some yo, hoops as Iowa yeah. gets it done on Monday night against Virginia and a look ahead to Purdue tomorrow night. Biz a little bit delayed this week getting this one out. Busy time, a lot going on, but ah, still fun to look back at what a fun one it was. At least the final 18 minutes against Nebraska on Black Friday.
0: Yeah, it seems like a long time ago at this point. Uh, you know, a, a lot's happened, and almost all of it's been incredibly positive for Iowa athletics, Trent. So we got uh, a fun a, a Nebraska choke to talk about. We've got some Iowa basketball, a crazy Iowa basketball win to talk about. And then obviously, uh, you know, a rare opportunity to possibly win a Big Ten title to talk about.
1: Yes, there's a real possibility there, and we'll start digging into the game, get ready for the matchup against the Wolverines. But before we do, back to Nebraska, a game that for a long time it just felt like, well, it's inevitable. At one point, Nebraska is going to actually win a game in this series and it looked like for a long time it was going to be Friday. But Iowa, what this 2021 team has continued to do, chip away, hang around, Make-a-play defense special teams, and they're going to win the football game. Special teams, of course, the punt block, completely flipped the game there. But the play of Taylor, and most importantly maybe the play of Caleb Shudeck and some difficult kicks, the Council Bluffs boy, he had no problems with them over just across the pond there, over across the river and in Lincoln. What a performance from Shudek.
0: Yeah, he's just a machine. And, and, you know, at some point our luck has to run out on kickers. We have to have a year where a kicker goes – you know, eleven for nineteen. But you know, you look back at Iowa kickers in general, we we've been uh we've had a good run of of kickers for a long, long time. So uh, and he may be as good as any of them when you know I, honestly I think he's probably the best at since Kading when you combine accuracy plus leg strength. I mean Keith Duncan was an all American, but uh we all you know, it doesn't you have to be blind not to see that Caleb Schuhteck has a significantly stronger leg than, than Duncan ever had, but you know, Trent. Just the, the Nebraska game in general—you really, truly couldn't have scripted a better game. I mean, it's just that that game was a true microcosm of where the the, the two programs are at: Iowa and Nebraska. Because you could just see middle of that third quarter. You know, you know the Nebraska fan base, everybody just starting to puff their chest out a little bit. You know, we're you know we're, we're three and eight, and we're still going to beat you. But uh, you go all the way back to 2014, Trent. Do you remember the? Uh, the quote from, from Sean Eichhorst, their AD at the end of that game?
1: Yeah, something along the lines of we had to evaluate where Iowa was as a program.
0: Yeah, so let, let's go ahead and evaluate where Nebraska's at as a program right now. Because let, Let's talk, just big picture here, the last seven years since that quote. Iowa is 63-23. and 23. We've been eligible for seven straight bowl games. Obviously, we didn't go last year, but seven straight bowl eligibility and now two divisional titles. Nebraska, 34 and 48, have only had one winning year in that time and zero division titles. But uh, it just the last 18 minutes, I, I feel like I said, true microcosm where the programs are at. You've got one program in Iowa who hit by the flu beforehand, TD overturned early in the game, you fumble inside the five, you're down 15 with 16 minutes to go. You had every reason to pack it in and, and – you know, just accept the fact that it wasn't your day. I mean, just like you said, it didn't look like it was going to be our day. Things were not going our way. But we kept grinding, we kept grinding, and we found a way. On the flip side, you've got a Nebraska coach who, I assume you saw the post-game comment, but his exact quote, the blocked punt was the game. What? Uh, this is the leader of your program announcing that uh, the moment adversity struck, the first time you had anything go bad all game, the game's over. Mm-hmm. At that point, they still a five point lead and the ball in the fourth quarter. But you could see it. I mean, he's right. The game was over at that point. The whole mood, attitude of both teams just 100% changed. There was no doubt at that point we were going to win the game. And, you know, it, it, it couldn't have been scripted any better. I just, you know, it, I know people love to talk about that Nebraska was so close this year, but there's a reason they lost that many one score games. They're not a mentally tough program and they don't have a mentally tough coach. And you can say what you want about Iowa football. They're not pretty. It's often win ugly, but man, are we a mentally tough team. We just kept fighting and we found a way.
1: That's what you have to do. And when you know, it's so tight, and especially when you look around the Big Ten West, and I know there's plenty of arrows to throw at the division as a whole, and they still have not a beat a team from the East in the championship game. Now, I would argue whatever division Ohio State's been in, that was going to be the superior division regardless of what happened over last seven, eight years. But that aside, you're building and you're going up against teams very similarly built to what you are. So you have, to, you have to win in the margins. You have to do those small things. And it's what I was so good at. It's what Wisconsin has been so good at. And it's where you look at the coaching staffs and you look at Nebraska and say, I don't think this ever gets turned around. I don't think that – all of a sudden, the light's going to flip on, and suddenly that program's going to be 9-3 and next season because they were so close this year. You said exactly right, Biz. They lose games like this for a reason, and it starts with the guy on the sidelines of the head man.
0: Yeah, well, I, I assume, maybe you didn't see the breaking news right before we started today, but uh, no more Adrian Martinez. Mm-hmm. He just, uh, just put his name in the transfer portal within the last probably half hour here, which I'm not sure anybody's surprised by it, but still, I mean, That's major news. That is your all-time career yardage leader deciding, and I don't know if it's a mutual decision or he decided on his own, but he decided, I'm done. I'm moving on. And not that I'm done playing football, because he certainly mean, you, If you read his response, he's going to go find somewhere else to play. He's ready to move on and move on from the program, which seems to be a pretty common theme for all of their skill talent the last couple of years.
1: Well, and uh, one thing, there's a lot of speculation that he'll end up at Kansas State. Skylar Thompson, the fine quarterback for the Wildcats, is graduating, moving on. And his girlfriend apparently is a soccer player at K-State. So a lot of people connecting the dots there. I'll tell you what, going from Scott Frost to Chris Kleiman, yeah, I could see some improvements happening there. Talking about a guy that actually knows how to win football games and doing those little things compared to Scott Frost, that's a big upgrade for Martinez.
0: Uh, anything's a big upgrade for Martinez. I mean, I, I feel bad for that guy. He was kind of the whipping boy of the program. Oh, nice. And I think finally, midway through this year, everybody realized the whipping boy was, <laughs> you're pointing the finger the wrong direction. Go point it at the coach, not mm-hmm. at the kid that's been busting his butt. So, but let, let's let, let's move on, Trent, from uh, bashing Nebraska, which we could probably do all day long. But uh, I had Stat Boy look into uh, blocked punts for touchdowns in, in, uh, in the history of Iowa. And it's kind of a, you know, a, my question is that but it felt like in my memory at least when we blocked punt for a touchdown it usually equals a win so i had him dig into blocked punts for touchdowns during the Ferrance and fry era and you ready to uh, go down memory lane
1: yes yeah i i've already got a couple that are jumping to mind but let's go through it yeah so there's
0: it doesn't happen that often obviously for a while we used to block a lot of punts but blocked punt for touchdown is another thing so it's only happened 15 times. This is the 15th time it's happened since 1979. So ironically, Trent, the last time we blocked a punt for a touchdown before last Friday was
1: the 2000- 2014 14 game. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and if you remember that one, it really wasn't a blocked punt. It was Nebraska blocked or punted it off their own lineman. And then uh, Drew Ott scooped it up and, and scored from 12 yards out. But that, it had been seven years since we blocked him for a touchdown, but so some some fun stats. First, we are 12 and 3 in the games that we blocked punts for touchdowns. So uh, I was generally right. We, we if a blocked punt for touchdown usually leads to a good outcome. Amazingly enough, Trent, the 14 yard return by Kyler Fisher was the second longest return hmm. that we've ever had for a blocked punt. Obviously, can you remember number one? The longest. Longest return of a blocked punt for a touchdown. Well, you were there i was there
1: oh adrian claiborne yeah penn state had yeah, the whiteout. Yep.
0: out adrian claiborne picked it up and ran 53 yards the others zero yards 10 yards zero yards 10 yards one yard 10 yards zero 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 zero, zero seven one and twelve so it was that leads you to believe we, we don't uh we don't get too risky unless they're they're deep in their territory but uh and the Claiborne one, obviously, we weren't going for a block punt. I just got, got kind of lucky. But, but yeah, second longest uh, scoop and score you've ever seen in, in our, our
1: our lives. Would not have thought that, but all right, there we are. What else we got as we look back at block punts for TDs? Two, two more. Um, first of all,
0: it uh, confirms, we look at the numbers just how great our special teams were between 02 and 05. Mm-hmm. In that four year period, we blocked five. For touchdowns, you know, two and oh five, including in back-to-back bowl games and the LSU and Florida bowl games in oh four and oh five. So, yeah, and then we had a huge gap in there where we, you know, hadn't done it for a long time, and so we had more in that four-year period than we've had in the sixteen years since.
1: Matt Malloy, Scotty Bolin, who else? We got uh, names that are, we're going to go through.
0: Oh, now you got to make me go back and look for the text and step <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. while I'm looking, I'll tell you the one last fun stat. There's a quiz question for you. Okay. This is not an Iowa blocked punt. This is an opponent's blocked punt in 1983. There's a stat boy bonus here in 1983, Iowa beat Michigan state 12 to six Michigan state's only six points came on a blocked punt for a score name that Spartan who picked it up and ran into score. Phil Parker, Phil Parker. Exactly. So (laughs) that's a, only Stat Boy could dig up that nugget. So uh twelve six but Phil Parker with the uh, the blocked punt. So
1: that's why he's the right. best.
0: Yeah, the O two to O five. It was uh, Mike Follett blocked one against Utah or recovered one against Utah State. Against Purdue that same year in O two. Jameer Roberts had one oh, number seven. And then, yep. And then we blocked one in O three against Iowa State. And uh, he has Smith listed as recovering. I'm not sure who Smith would even be.
1: Cameron Smith? Does that ring a bell?
0: Oh. But then you've got Mike. you got Matt Malloy uh-huh. in 0-4, and you've got Constantine picking it up in the, in the LSU game in 0-5. So there's your, your returns. Um, the games we lost the three losses—was the, the Drew Ott game in 2014. You've got Timmy Dodge back in '99. Rockwell Swilley. Yep. Good Nebraska. We lost 42 to seven, but Timmy Dodge scored the only points on a blocked punt. And the third one, way back in 1988, we lost to Colorado 24 to 21. But uh, special team superstar and NFL legend Merton Hanks got one in that game. So, but uh, yeah, generally those are the only three times we've ever lost. 12 and three. So a blocked punt for touchdown usually equals a Hawkeye victory.
1: Like that. Let's get another one on Saturday. What do you say? Yeah, that'd be nice. Anything else from Stat Boy on blocked punts? Nope. No,
0: nope. I think we're ready to. Uh, we're ready to move on and talk uh, future. Let's, uh, the other stat boy information, he's got uh, – let's kind of tie, tie the season in a bow, Trent. Let's talk about the, uh, the season in general because uh, we talked about before kind of best-case and worst-case scenario seasons, with best-case scenario being 2019 when we hit our skid this year and, and worst-case scenario being the 2006 Collapse. Well, there's another year, a third year that Stat Boy and I talked about this week that I think probably now that the season is wrapped up is an even better comparison to this year. Do you know what, what year that would be? No, what do you got? 2004, Trent, the last uh-huh. Big Ten championship team. You go back and look at that season, you compare it to this season, man, there's a lot of similarities. I assume,
1: I assume you remember the 2014. Yeah, yes, I do. A lot of defense, a lot of injuries at running back, and Sam Brownlee out there, big Chucks, Aaron Mickens running the football, and, of course, Drew Tate doing heroics.
0: Yep. You had a great D. You had a really shaky offense. You don't know how shaky that offense was and how shaky this year's offense have been, Trent?
1: I'm going to guess they're probably very similar when you look at overall statistics.
0: If you look at the last 20 years of Iowa football, the two years that we had the least amount of offense per game, 2004 and 2021. Wow. So, uh, not exactly offensive juggernauts, but you also had really good special teams of that team. You had Schlicker the kicker was 21 for 26 that year, and you had a future pro in David Bradley at, at punter, mm-hmm. and you also had a couple truly, truly ugly victories, including the, the ugliest one of all, as we've talked about, the 6-4 to four game at Penn State. So uh, lots and lots of similarities. So what I wanted to do, Trent, I've got a quick quiz for you, 2004 quiz, three questions. Okay. We'll see if you can get them. All right, number one, who led the two thousand four team in rushing?
1: Uh, that would have been Marcus Simmons. You're close, but no, you you said the name earlier. Sam Brownley?
0: Even Sam Brownley. Oh, Sam Brownley was our leading rusher that year. Ninety-four carries for two twenty-seven. A two point four yard average. Just a smash mouth football with Sam Brownley. Uh Jamel Lewis had two hundred. Marcus Simmons had one ninety-four. Aaron Mickens, 127. So uh, you may never, ever see that again in uh, major Division One football. A, a Power 5 team winning their conference with no one rushing for 230 yards.
1: It seemingly is impossible to do, even teams that run the spread and throw it, you know, leech team 60 times a game. It just there is some semblance of a running game that goes along with it. It's, it's baffling. Yeah.
0: We talked about the amazing defense. And one of the things, Stat Boy sent me the uh, the starters for each game. One of the things that really helped, that team was amazingly healthy. There were only 13 guys who started games on defense that year, including nine starters that didn't miss a game at all. My question's pretty, pretty simple, Trent. There's 13 guys that started games that year. You should be able to name at least 10 of them. There are some well, well-known names in that 2004 defense. So, Can you name 10 defensive players that started games that year?
1: Well, the two quarterbacks, Antoine Allen, Jovan Johnson. There's two. Uh, Greenway and Hodge.
0: There's two more.
1: Uh, defensive line, Babino. Babino. Roth,
0: Roth. You got six so far. You got you're missing two defensive linemen, two linebackers that that played games or started games that year, and three cornerbacks that, or D backs that started games that year. Three you're missing two- both safeties.
1: Both safeties, Pascal.
0: Uh, yes, Pascal was, was one. And Considine? Considine, that's eight. There's another safety that filled in two games.
1: Another safety. Ooh. White? Boop, boop. Tommy Soybean? No, nope. Miguel Merrick. That's the first one you've got. Oh, at. okay.
0: Yeah, New Jersey. Two linebackers. One of them played, started nine games. The other one jumped in and started two. Kevin Worthy? Nope. Okay. The linebackers are tougher. George Lewis yeah. Ed Miles. Oh, okay. And then you've got two defensive linemen that you're missing. One of them was a uh Colin Cole? Nope. He was no, yeah, gone by the them. But uh, one of them was a, an, an Iowa City native and kind of a, a an original legend. We we used to love him in the stands. Lukey? Lukey. Lukey. <laughs> and then the last one was Derek Robinson. Oh uh, D Rob, <laughs> That is an impressive, impressive defense. That that's a defense that uh added up they played a lot of professional football i think uh, jovan johnson was still playing in the cfl recently until recently and you've got uh babs and greenway played a decade each and uh that's a lot of talent on defense
1: yes it is that's a fun trip down memory lane i just i love that team it was so much fun and after the just whipping that they took down at arizona state and tempe after the long delay came black played well against michigan and then run the table after that what a fun season it was and now we're maybe trending towards the same destination here. We'll see what happens on Saturday.
0: Yeah. One, one last quiz question for 2004. It's, it's a simple one, Trent. How many touchdowns did Warren Holloway have in his career
1: before the catch? One. Well, zero before the catch. Yeah, one. And it came yeah. on the final catch of his career.
0: One and only. I figured that's a good way to wrap up that season because uh, if somehow, miraculously, our season can end that same way, uh, you know, again, if we're going to compare the two seasons, it might as well end with the same fairy tale ending that uh, –
1: that uh, team did. One more from Stat Boy. Shits was really busy at work because we had a request on Twitter asking, When was the last time Iowa won back to back games while only scoring one offensive touchdown? In the Stat Boy database, it goes back to 1979. It has never happened. Technically, in 1988, they beat Iowa State 10 3, followed it up with a tie against Michigan State 10 10, but never before. In the Hayden slash Kirk era, as Iowa won back-to-back games with only one offensive touchdown,
0: I feel like that's been like a weekly trend of our podcast this year. Trent is finding something that this year uh, has never happened before. Yeah, so yeah, let's so let's, hope, <laughs> let's hope we're talking about uh, Kirk has never had a uh, Big Ten title by himself. We've never had a you know not, not right, yeah. Let's hope next week we're talking about a, another uh, never happened before.
1: So how does it happen? How does this game play out in order for Iowa to win? Because I I don't want to get too crazy here. I know the media is absolutely in love right now with Michigan after what they did last week. The physical domination that they had against Ohio State. But the way they play, the way Harbaugh likes to play games, it feels like it's setting up that this is going to be a four-quarter game. I'm excited. I'm optimistic. And, you know, I'm normally not the most optimistic guy as it pertains to Iowa athletics. I'm going to guess you're in the same boat.
0: Well, I know why you're optimistic, Trent. You're optimistic because Spencer Petras is back on, uh, under the... That is not the bench. reason. <laughs> well, we, we won't get into your angry mid-game uh, rant <laughs> that you had. and you know, we, I can spend 20 minutes making fun of you on that, but I'll let you off the hook here, Trent. You're... A, yeah, uh, the, the fact of the matter is, whoever the quarterback is, Pietrus or Padilla, neither one of them are uh, neither one of them are great by any means. But mm. I agree with the decision. I know you don't. Um, I agree with it for one reason only: uh, Spencer Pietrus, like him, hate him, whatever. He has handled adversity in tough environments really well, and that's the one thing I give him credit for. Is he went into Iowa State, really handled it well? You know, he handled it great at Nebraska. I mean, he, he's just He's shown kind of a calm demeanor. You know, Maryland at night, he played well. Uh, you know, he he handles those situations well. And I just thought the first half of the Nebraska game, Padilla, that was the first time he'd ever had a true road environment, and it showed. I mean, he he had kind of that deer in the headlights look a little bit. So again, if we have to rely on the quarterback on Saturday, we're probably in deep trouble. Just uh, we need him to be a game manager. And, and so, you asked, how can we win it, Trent? I I got three three things I think we need to do well. Um, I'm sure you probably have some as well, but um, my number one thing is we have to commit to running the ball up the middle Mm -hmm. on repeat immediately. Yes. We have run the ball really well the last month, (laughs) but we're stubborn and we continue to think outside zone will work occasionally. Let's not overthink it. we have got the best offensive lineman in the nation and possibly the best center in the last decade. When we run the ball up the middle, we are a really good running team. And finally, finally in the fourth quarter of the Nebraska game, we finally said, you know what? We can just run the same pay over and over and over because they can't stop it. And we did. And we finally busted over 55 yards. So we've got to commit to doing that early and often. And honestly, I don't care if we run the ball up the middle three times in a row and get one yard and punt. Keep doing it. That is the best way we can win this game. You look at Michigan's run D, Trent, it's not that great. Here's the numbers. They gave up 196 yards rushing to Rutgers, mm-hmm. 199 yards to Michigan State, 181 to Maryland, 140 to Nebraska. Those are four, or Michigan State's good, but the other three are four, three very mediocre teams. It all ran for 140 yards or more against Michigan. So
1: it's doable. It you is. To doing it. It, I, I was looking at some numbers at pro football focus, and we know Aiden Hutchinson's a stud. You, you know Ajabo's incredible. Those two guys off the edge are as good as I was going to see and maybe seen in a long time. The defensive tackles, Smith's good. The other one, Hinton, is not nearly as good. But the other thing, they're two inside linebackers in the scheme they play in that kind of hybrid 3-3-5 stack look that they have. Their inside linebackers have not been good this year. You mentioned some of the numbers there. It's not great. You're right. And this is a kind of game where if Harbaugh wants to play in a phone phone booth and he wants to have this thing be an old-school grudge match, I think it plays into Iowa's hands. I, I'm not getting crazy here. If it comes down to a game where Peaches has got to throw it 25 times and they got to drop back a bunch, it's going to be ugly. But you're exactly right. Run the ball. Run it up the gut. Power football. Get out the air. Everyone, let's go.
0: Yep. Yep. That's, that's my number one. My, my number two, Trent, is same thing we talked about the Wisconsin game. It was one of the keys to the Wisconsin game, and our coaching staff refused to follow it. It is punting is winning. If we get behind the chains, if we get to a third and fourteen or a second and twelve, just run the ball. <laughs> Don't get behind the chains and try to get greedy. What lost us the Wisconsin game? A lot of things, but uh, what lost Wisconsin in the second quarter twice? We decided third and long, drop back and pass. If we do that, Aiden Hutchinson is just going to tee off on our tackles. So just accept it. Accept the fact that on third and fourteen, you are not going to get a first down. Yeah, run the ball and punt. Mm-hmm. Like, if we try to get aggressive when we get behind the chains, if you get behind the chains, just accept it. That possession's dead and move on. Because if we drop back and pass in obvious passing situations, Aiden Hutchinson will kill us. And so I, it was the key to the Wisconsin game. I think the key to this game is cut your losses when you fall behind and just accept the fact that we're going to have to punt the ball five, six, seven, eight, nine times. It's, it's okay. Punting's winning
1: like those and you're exactly right third and 14 you're not going to be able to make a play just go with the inside draw play maybe you'll pop one you know uh late in uh hayden's career seemed like they ran that seemingly every third and long but in a game like this sure eat some clock let's go get the defense out there on the field all right there's two where's number three
0: well the third one trent you and i are both big fans of the uh the solid verbal podcast and they have a uh a quote they always talk about the, the let down look ahead sandwich. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the world's biggest <laughs> yeah. let down look ahead sandwich. You can't possibly come up with a bigger let down look ahead sandwich. This is Michigan coming off their biggest win, obviously the Harbaugh era, but probably the biggest win in the last 20 years. And they're looking ahead at possibly their biggest opportunity to win national championship in the last 20 mm-hmm. years. So, this is a classic let-down look-ahead sandwich. So we have to come out and jump on them early. We can't come out scared. We can't be – when I say jump on them, I mean, we, we can't come out and make mistakes early. This game, like you said, I think it's going to be a four-quarter game. But I also could see if things start poorly for us and we give them confidence early on, you know, it could go off the rails pretty quickly. So I think you've got to come out, punch them in the mouth, be the more physical team early on and be ready to play four quarters. So uh, you and I, I think both are in the same opinion here. I mean, this, this is a game, I'm not sure we can win it, but I think we can be in it. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can ask right now is, and, and it, so you got to come out right away and punch them in the mouth. Be, be the more physical team right away. Let them know we're not Ohio state. We're not this finesse team. We need to pound the football over and over again. And on defense, we got to come out and hit them. I mean, it's, Watching that Ohio State game, Ohio State just isn't a very physical team. We got to come out and just be physical. Show them that we're, we're there to play four quarters and come out right away. So, I we're both like I said. I'm cautiously optimistic we can make this a game, but uh, you know I, I really really hope we come out with the game plan of we've got to be the more physical team.
1: Right there with you. That's what Michigan did a week ago, and now you got to come back and punch them in the mouth. Scary thing is Hassan Haskins is playing incredibly well. And even when the plays where it looks like he's got two, he gets six. And, and Corum, even though he's banged up, he's really good too. Going to have to be great there. The way they throw the ball, though, I think sets up incredibly well. Another uh, couple more numbers to throw your way. Cade McNamara uh, this year, 14 touchdowns, three, touch, uh, three interceptions, thrown for just shy of 2,300 yards. He's fine, whatever. But this one really surprised me. He has actually been much better this year when he's been blitzed as opposed to when he has not been blitzed this year. Well, what does would do well? Yeah, they sit back in their zone, make you make a read and make plays there. I think this also sets up incredibly well. If we can just at least slow down that running game to a certain degree, make McNamara be the guy that beats them, I, I think they got a chance here the way that the Iowa defense is playing. It's crazy, Bits. We're talking ourselves into it here. I'm getting excited. Last time I was cool. this pumped up, it uh, didn't go very well.
0: They're going to get their rushing yards. I mean, the fact of the matter is that they're a really good offense and they're a really good running team. They're going to get 150, 200 rushing yards. I mean, Minnesota did that against us. I mean, Nebraska did until they decided to stop uh, doing what worked. I mean, I mean, we're going to give up our yards. I'm fine with giving up six-yard runs. We'll, we'll live with that. I mean, it, it's you can't give up the big plays. Force them to go 12, 15 plays and, and – Assume at some point they're going to make a mistake. At some point they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. I mean that's been Iowa football to a T all year long. Is be patient, let the other team make mistakes. The pressure is all on them. And so if we can, uh, it, it, you know, like I said, we can make it a four quarter game. Boy, at some point you got to like our chances. that They're going to make a mistake because they got all the pressure in the world on them. And the We're there. Uh, we weren't supposed to be there. and We can play uh, free and loose and, and see what happens.
1: And that letdown, I think, is absolutely monstrous, as you said. Biz, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. I wish I was going to be there with you. But uh, fortunately, family, a few other things got in the way. I'll tell you, though being there in twenty fifteen, that environment for people and I'm sure a lot of people may be listening to us on the drive over, get ready. That environment, the way the build up goes, the day just hanging out in Indianapolis, the fan fest they have set up, if you got your kids or you just wanna do a little something different other than be bellied up at the bar, it is so much fun. And Michigan being there for the first time ever too, boy, it's gonna be a great environment.
0: Yeah, it really is. I mean and the thing I'm most excited about the two thousand fifteen game just the effort level of both teams was just off the charts. I mean, Iowa played insanely hard. Michigan State played insanely hard. You know, I think you're just going to see that same effort level just across the board. It's just <laughs> the desire and the excitement that you see from the Iowa players this week. It, it's, you know, it, it's hard not to be excited. I mean, it's just watching them and the comments they made. I don't know if you saw Kayvon Merriweather, but he just seemed, <laughs> seemed giddy. He seemed like a, a kid, a little kid talking about Christmas. I mean, it's just. The excitement level across the board, that's why I said I hope we don't come out and lay an egg. Let's right. come out and battle and make it a four-quarter game. I don't think we will, but you never know. I mean, it's, things go bad early on. It could snowball on mm-hmm. you. But Wisconsin let's, let's, game. Just hope, let's just hope you start the fourth quarter we're within a score. And uh, at that point, uh, who knows?
1: Anything can happen. Anything can happen in basketball, too, but... I don't know if anything positive is going to happen tomorrow night. Fun win against Virginia on Monday. Not a vintage Virginia team under Tony Bennett, though he is still devilishly handsome. Regardless of that, though, it's Purdue, the now number one team in the country after the Duke loss. And we know it hasn't been many pretty trips over there. Well, last time I was in a Rose Bowl, it went pretty well back in 2015-16, but usually not a fun road trip to West Lafayette for the basketball team.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I have zero expectations for tomorrow's game, but uh, you know that's why winning that game on Monday was so important mm-hmm. because you know that's it, 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 it's probably likely that we may lose the next three games. I mean, M- maybe next four.
1: The Utah State game is going to be tough too.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you look at it. I mean, we're probably going to be underdogs in the next three, and so even if you lose the next three, you come out of that seven and three with the win against Virginia. You know, you're okay, and so uh, but. You know, I think this team will battle Purdue. I don't think they'll win, but I, I don't see it being a 40-point blowout either. I think we'll, I think we'll lose by 15 to 20. But I, I hope, I hope at halftime it's the least of all games. You know, this team, as they saw on Monday, they've got some toughness to them, and you know, they've certainly got some flaws. They're, you know, Purdue is a terrible matchup for us, but uh, they'll battle. They'll keep fighting. They're a, uh, you know, the thing that impressed me most about this team. You go to Virginia and you only have four turnovers against that type of defense. You're, you know, that, that's, that's hard to do. This, this team takes care of the basketball and they, uh, as we've seen, they can really score. So if they if they get hot,
1: you never know. Never know. Just get a chance. Go out there. You know, we've talked about the play, obviously, of Keegan Murray and he continues to play at an incredibly high level. I, I didn't even realize it till I was looking at the stats uh, just yesterday. Chris Murray's now shooting 61% from three. That's not going to continue all season long, but He's almost like Keegan was a year ago, just the development from him, what we've seen, maybe a year behind his brother, but I'm really excited about the future also with Chris Murray.
0: Well, and I've said all along, Trent, I mean, in high school, he's a great shooter in high school also. I mean, he is a shooter. Is he a 61% shooter? No, but can he shoot mid-40s? Absolutely. I mean, he can shoot the ball. And the thing you have to love the most about him, he is fearless. He, uh, He's not afraid to shoot. I mean, he, uh, you know, there are times when he probably shouldn't be shooting, especially on some <laughs> of his drives and, and moves to the hoop. But uh, both the Murray boys, uh, they don't lack for confidence. They, 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 I think every time the ball goes up, they think it's going in, which uh, that that's half the battle sometimes. As we've seen with some Fran's teams in the past, we've had some guys that seem to lack for confidence in big moments. This team, this team doesn't seem to have that. They, they, they struggled. The second half wasn't pretty, but they never backed down, and they. Uh, probably deserved to lose on Monday, but they found a way to win, which that's uh, that's not always been, as we've griped about in the past, that's not always been a sign of uh, France teams in the past.
1: Very, very true. Yeah, we've had plenty of those conversations throughout the year. I'll give you two and two right now over the next four. you taking it?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think we have a decent chance against Illinois next week. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're playing all that well, no. but, uh, you know, Hilton's going to be rocking. Uh-huh. I, I just think, the Likelihood of us going into Mackey Arena or Hilton and winning is pretty low. So, if we can beat Utah State, beat Illinois, and go two and two, I think that's not only would I take it, I would I'd sign up for it right now. I mean, that's, I think that'd be considered a really good stretch of basketball if you go three and two out of that group of five.
1: With that, Biz, let's get some picks as I think we're both going to be probably laying the points with Purdue tomorrow in basketball. Let's get to football picks as you take a commanding lead after last week I was trying to chase you down I was with you like in Michigan I went the other way and that was a disaster here we go this week as we get going business 21 16 and 1 I am 17 and 21 let's start it up Iowa Michigan what do you have Wait it's a
0: last week you were, you were bragging about being close this week you just kind of casually skimmed over the fact that I think I pretty much locked it up at this point, Trent. Oh, we
1: still got bowl games. We got plenty of other things we can do.
0: Yeah, but I'm on a roll. 3-0 last week. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, what are we What are we
1: starting with? Game of the week or Iowa-Michigan? Iowa-Michigan. Let's take uh, kick that one off first.
0: All right. So, Well, I, I'm going to go with the same theory I had last week, Trent. Uh, I picked the over last week, and, and it hit. I think same thing this week. I, I think 43-and-a-half is just too low. I think both teams are going to put up a few points in this game. I, I, think, I think we can put some points on them, and I think – you know, they've got a good offense. I think this is going be similar to the Nebraska game. I think it's going to be mid-20s. Uh, winner's going to get upper 20s, and you know, both teams get the 20 or above. So give me over 43-and-a-half.
1: Uh, I'm going the other way in a different direction. I'm using a bet that we've never used before, but I was floored when I saw this number. Michigan team total. What do you think it is?
0: Michigan team total. got to be 27.
1: Yeah, it's 27-and-a-half. I'm taking yeah,
0: no the under. 27-16, basically, is what
1: they're figuring. Yep, and I'm taking the under all day long. I, I get it. I understand it, but I'm just betting on Phil Parker here. Gibby, Michigan, under 27-and-a-half. I absolutely love that one. Well, the big national game of the week is Georgia-Alabama. Crimson Tide underdogs and significant underdogs for the first time. I, I have my concerns, Biz, about Saban being able to push those buttons, but that offensive line is brutal. They scored three points in the first 58 minutes against Auburn. Georgia's a completely different animal. I know some people maybe see the number approaching a touchdown and get scared. I just can't do it. I'm going to lay the points. Give me the Bulldogs.
0: Yeah, I refuse to – I refuse, everything screams you should bet Georgia in this game, but I refuse to bet against Nick Saban in the, <laughs> these situations. So I think Nick Saban knows what you know, which is his offensive line cannot hang with, with Georgia. So I, I think – Nick Saban's going to pull a, uh, a game plan straight out of the Kirk Ferentz playbook. He, he's going to mm. slow this game up. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be low scoring. Give me under
1: 50. Under 50 in the Alabama-Georgia game. We wrap it up with our pick of the week. Biz, what's your favorite play on a limited betting menu?
0: Give me Kenny Pickett and the Pitt Panthers getting three, Trent. I, I like Wake Forest. They're a fun story. But uh, Pitt's just a better football team, and if you're going to give me a better football team getting a field goal or less, I'll take it.
1: Taking Pitt over... Week Forest, what a championship game! And speaking of that, you think of the numbers they're going to do with that. All twenty-two thousand people that'll be at (laughs) that game. The competition that they have. I got another total here: San Diego State, Utah State. The under in the Mountain West championship game. San Diego State's defense is great. They got the best punter in the nation. Sorry, Tory Taylor. They are excellent. Under fifty and a half all day long in the Aztec in the Aggies for Supremacy in the Mountain West. Those are our picks as I still work to chase down Biz. It's not looking very likely at this point, but I'll see. Maybe I can get Biz to let us pick like 10 bowl games and I'll have an opportunity. We'll uh, do that in the coming weeks. Before that, though, time to roll out with Biz's Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the day. Okay, here's Biz's Beat of the day. <sighs>
0: This is Beat This Week, Trent. is about uh, emotional Kirk Ferris. Uh, I assume you saw the, uh, the press conference. Uh, man, he was on the verge of tears three or four times, including when talking about uh, Chick-fil-A. So, <laughs> you know, it, honestly, though, there was there's a quote in there. I don't know if you saw the quote, but he was his quote, and I'll just read it to you. The best part of coaching is building relationships with players and watching them develop and succeed in life. The heart of coaching is in caring for the other person. The game and the score is important, but how you treat each other will define you. Yeah, not only emotional, Kirk. That gets, that gets me a, a emotional biz as well. It's just that is a great quote, and it's kind of the essence of, of Kirk Ferentz. You know, there's been a lot of uh, a lot, his tenure here has been a roller coaster. There's been times when you think the game is passing by. There's times when it's time for him to move on. Man, just. Seeing his emotions, it, it makes you wonder—you know—just how close he is to the, the end of the rope. But uh, I, I think the last eighteen months, Trent has been a real grind on him, and you could just see it that that press conference, just how how proud he is of this team, how proud he is of this coaching staff. Honestly, probably how proud he is of himself for for learning and listening and being a better person. I just we've we've talked about it in the past, and I'll just say it one more time: like this program has come out come out the other side of, of what's happened last 18 months, just a better program in general. And it, it, it's awesome to see, and, man, what, what, a, what a true fairy tale ending this would be, Trent, if we could somehow uh, win the Big Ten title, win the Rose Bowl title, and uh, send Kirk off into the sunset uh, as a true hero. So is it going to happen? I don't know. But the, the cool thing is, Trent, we're talking uh, early December, and there's still a possibility of it happening. So uh, go Hawks.
1: Go Hawks, indeed, and you're exactly right. Biz, something that I brought up on my radio show earlier in the week. He's always emotional. He's always been emotional, but this one does feel different, and if it does culminate with the first outright Big Ten championship since 1985, the first Rose Bowl win since the 1950s, don't be surprised if it is actually one where Kirk calls it a career after that one. Still a lot of hay to get in the barn, though, to make that happen. And uh, make sure that you come back next week, Biz. I don't even want to hear your voice. I want to see a very hoarse Jace Bizguard when we talk next Tuesday.
0: Uh, it'll probably be a, a horse Jace Bisgard regardless. But uh, win, or, win or lose, I probably won't be able to talk. But let's hope we're, uh, again, hope we're celebrating some more uh, first-evers next week when we talk. So one way or another, Trent, win or lose, I, I'm excited. I think the Hawks are going to go there and give it a hell of a, hell of a fight, and uh, we'll see what happens.
1: Bring back a victory, Biz go walk.